Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. The Gospel of Mark and the chapter 16. And we're going to read at verse 9. So Mark's Gospel and the chapter 16 for a Bible reading and the verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And there, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form on the two of them, as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, Neller believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. And we pray the Lord to bless the reading of his word to all of our hearts. Well, Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, really, we'll be looking at a verse about evangelism and towards the end of the meeting here. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, you have the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, well-known words to all of us. He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, we'll be looking at that in a moment. Let's have a little word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray thou be with us this morning. I pray that we we'll know a sense of thy presence and nothing will hinder us as we sit around thy feet, listen to what I've got to say about my calling into the ministry. And Lord, as we look at your word, that you'll touch our hearts. And Lord, to bring the gospel out to people who are lost in their sin. So I ask you to be with us. And Lord, speak to everyone in this meeting. I pray that even you'll call people into the ministry that they would serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We have only that one life, Lord. I must not miss the well done of God. So be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning the meetings will be a bit different because I'm doing a deputation meeting. Deputation meetings were sent out by our mission board to really speak about our work, our ministry, and our calling. So I have no DVD. I get to get a live performance, I tell the people. I have no DVD at the minute, so we get that. So it's a live performance this morning. So I'm telling you a little story, part B, of how God called me. And what he called me to do, I had to move the clock way back in 1983. Now we're moving well back to the old times for the young people. But something was going to happen to me in 83 that was going to change my life forever. As a young man, I was drinking four or five nights a week in the bars. But I used to stop and I said, 
There's something missing in my life. I don't know what it is. And I did a wee count. I was playing football, playing the pipe bands, drinking and all the rest of it, discos, dances. I said, there's something not right. I don't know what it is. Well, in 1983, a gospel mission came to my village in Glen Arm. And who was doing it? The Free Presbyterians. Well, boys, I hated the Free Presbyterians. And they were coming to my village to do a mission. Well, long story short, I'm not giving my testimony how I could see it. Because I want to tell you how God called me. God brought me into that meeting. And there was a man in that meeting called Joe Peden. And he got up to give his testimony and I thought he was talking to me. He hated school. He, he played football. He drank and racked about. He watched his father die and I was ticking all these boxes. He said, this is my life right through. And he told how the Lord saved them. And I want to tell you, as a young man sitting there, I found the answer. I needed to be saved. I looked around and God's people were happy. And they were rejoicing. I was sitting there miserable. Because I want to tell you, sin will never make you happy. That's your sin for a season only. But I had found the answer. I need Jesus Christ. Now I didn't get saved at that mission. I fought it off for two years. On the 19th of January 1985, I was in the bar the night before it. And I got out of bed and I said, Lord, I'm coming home. And I drove through the snow. To the months, the man who did the man, that mission was a Reverend Alec Chambers, a mother last minister at that time. And I go up and I knocked the door and he brought me in and I says, Can you show me to be, how to be saved? He says, I can. And in that morning, I asked the Lord Jesus to save me. And I want to tell you, I've never been the same since. Never been the same since. Uh, the Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And boys, I was a new fellow. I knew the Lord had saved me. And when I walked out of that house, from that time I got saved, I had a burden in my heart for people to be saved. I want everybody to be saved. Of course, you know what it's like when you get saved yourself. You want everybody to be saved. And, and I want to say from my gossip, I told it immediately what had happened. What had happened to me. I came home and I said to my mum, I was saved. Well, they thought something crazy had happened to me, of course. They got my sister and now they're all standing looking at me. See, he said, what is wrong with this fella? And my best friend was going around the square in the car in the snow and I ran out and I waved them down and he says, well, what's wrong? I says, I was saved. He says, all the best, I'll give you a week. <laughs> One week, he said. And I up and told Joan, that was difficult. We just got engaged. But I had to say from the moment I got saved, I want to see all my mates saved. I want to see my family saved and brought to Jesus Christ. I went to work on Monday morning. I used to drive a crane for a farm. It was a real freezing morning. It was a bit like this when it was snowing and everything. And it was early in the morning for I was going to Belfast. Now, way back in 1985, I want to tell you, it was a big thing to go to Belfast from Glen Arm. It's only 40-something miles, by the way. But, boys, if you were going to Belfast, oh, boys, I'm going to Belfast. Now you're going the bicycle near enough, you know what I mean? But anyway, that's the way it was in our day. And the boss looked at me in the morning. What he said to me, on Monday morning, freezing. He says, Shields, would you like a glass of whiskey? And I looked at him, a big, big man. And I said, I'll be needing no more whiskey. 
I says, I got saved at the weekend. Well, you thought I hit him with a sledgehammer. He was gobsmacked. And I remember him standing looking up into the sky. And he never spoke. And he said, maybe you're right, boy. And I says, yes, I'm right. I had to get saved. And I jumped into the crane the way I went. And I knew by the time I got home, he had told all the boys in the yard, she just got religious. <laughs> but that was it. I was in the bars drinking, cursing, that sort of lifestyle. But now something had happened to me that had changed me. I got saved. I started with a mother glass free Presbyterian church. Maybe started to help out in children's meetings not so long after that. But not long after I got saved, now I'm going to tell you how God called me. And I hope the Lord used it this morning. But one man, I'm in the pub. Now you see me, how, how did I get in here? So I felt the Lord working in my heart that he was going to call me to be a preacher. It was God, I see it now today. That's a very strange thing because I learned very little at school. I hope there's no school teachers here. Well, I never liked school. Oh, happy day, happy day. <laughs> when I threw my school bag away, <laughs> I can tell you, I hated school. But I'm not promoting any young people to be like me, but that's just the way it was. That's just the way it was. I didn't like school at all. But I had learned something far better. You ever learned to school? I had learned that Jesus saves and his blood washes whiter than snow. And I'll tell you this, it was in my heart that other people would hear this message about Jesus Christ. Now, we had to go to Portland Own, me and Mr. Chambers, to see the Reverend Linton one day. And it was through the middle of the week. And there was nobody about the church at all. The men were away out somewhere. And I was standing this big in the church in Portland Own, standing looking all around me. And I felt constrained to walk up the church. Maybe if you've never been in that church, there's a, there's a pulpit. You had to walk up steps to get up high. And there I went up into this pulpit. And there I was standing looking all around me. Probably the first pulpit I've ever been. And I just felt it in my heart. This is going to be your life from now on. And I knew that day that I'd be back in that pulpit and preach the gospel. I never said to anybody. But I have been back and preached. Another thing leading up to my calling was there's a wee hall in my, our village in Glenan called Glenan. I'm from Glenan, near Marky Tell. Maybe didn't tell you. There's a wee hall called the CWU Hall. Now, I got a big surprise when I got saved. Though I went to children's meetings and all in that hall, I never heard the gospel at all. We were there for carrying on. And I saw people going in and out of that hall every Sunday. But I got a surprise when I got saved. The gospel was being preached in my village. And I never knew it. This glorious message that I have found the answer of Jesus Christ has been preached every Sunday in the CWU hall every Sunday night at half eight. And I never knew a thing about it. That's how dark people are, isn't it? The gospel is preached here every Sunday. People carried off. They don't really know what has taken place here in this building. So I started to go to this meeting and to help these people. It's only maybe 12 or 20 people would have went to it. And as I went to that and uh, uh, every Sunday night, one night the preacher didn't turn up. And the man looked at me and says, No, this says, would you give a word of testimony? The first student of my life in the pub, you know. I says, I will. And there I got up and told the people, and it was bad and rough enough now preaching, they want to hurt me in those days. But anyway, I told them how I got saved. And after they made my tick and tea, and old Tommy Hutton, who threw me out of the hall when I was a young fella, 
he says, would you come back and preach some night? He says, oh, well, never preached in my life. Maybe some people hate, says you've never preached yet, I don't know, but that's what it was. I says, oh, well, and you know, it was all arranged that Sunday I went to preach, and there was over a hundred people turned up that night. And boys, if you think I'm rough now, you want to hear me in those early days. But you know, I told them, I found Jesus Christ. And they had to be saved. And that was really the start. The Lord was working in my heart. Now, it was while I was in that meeting, there was a man came to speak one night. And he was saying, find out what God wants you to do with your life for him. When my heart was pounding. I says, yes, that's, I know. I want to know what God wants me to do with my life. And he says, ask the Lord. Remember, Saul said to the Lord in, in Acts chapter 9, Lord, what will I have me to do? I, I couldn't really get home to pray. And I left Joan home, went up into my room and I prayed. And I asked the Lord, but there was no answer. I came home on Monday night and I says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that Monday night, the Lord called me into the ministry. And Ephesians 6 verse 19, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And in Philippians 4 verse 3 it says, I entreat thee also through you, fellow, help those women which laboured with me in the gospel. And then the verse 9 of that chapter says, Those things which ye have both learnt and received and heard and seen in me do. God of peace shall be with you. I want to tell you this. I knew God had called me. I knew the Lord had called me. And I rolled away downstairs and I said to my mum, you'd never believe what's happening. Everybody thought it was crazy probably. And that God has called me. And I knew God had called me. This was now 1986. So I couldn't wait to get to the prayer meeting on the Tuesday night. And uh, I wanted to tell the minister. I want to tell him. Now this is the second part that you hear in a moment about the call. I said to Mr. Chambers, I want to tell you something. I said, what does it know? I says, the Lord has called me. And I, I got a surprise at his answer. You know what he said to me? He says, what has he called you to do? I says, what do you mean? I thought you just lifted the school bag and then I went back to Bible college. <coughs> Well, he says, has he called you to be a minister? Has he called you to be an evangelist? Has he called you to be a missionary? I said, I don't know, but I'll soon find out. <laughs> That's what I thought. But the Lord was going to teach me a second thing about his calling, consecration unto him. And I really did believe, it's only about to get my knees. Well, Lord, what is it? Go back in the weekend and says, well, there, there it is. And I prayed. In 1986. And I said, Lord, well, what is it? What do you want me to do? And there was no answer. And Joe and I actually got married in 1986. That's another thing happening in 86 as well. But I prayed right through 86. God never answered me. And we're now in 87, and I'm still praying. Now, I was doing maybe open hours. I was having out children's meetings and everything. But my heart was burning. I knew God had called me to be into the ministry. But what it was, I did not know. And I stopped and I said to myself, there must be something wrong in my life for God's not answering me. And you know, I stopped and I had a wee look at my life to see was there anything in my life that shouldn't be there or that God didn't want 
Not giving up the bars, the cursing, the drinking, and the, all of that. And there was one thing that I felt God wanted me to give up. Now, you know what it was? It was football. I was a football fanatic when I was a young fella. I loved football. I don't know why I was never spotted. I don't know why I football. I would want to be a footballer. When I was in the careers in the school, and the boy asked me, what do you want to be in your life school? I was going to say, I want to be a footballer. But I said, they laugh at me. So I made up some story and told them. But anyway, I love football. I loved it. I played it from as a wee fella. And then played for different teams. And when I got saved, I never gave up the football. On Saturday afternoon, I was out there playing with my mates every Saturday. They went to the bars after it and drunk, but I used to go with them, but now I'm at home. I said, surely the Lord does want me to give up football. So I go to all the prayer meetings and everything. I do you know, I want to say I fought against it. And I came to the decision. It's all on the altar for Jesus Christ. God wants me to give this up, because it was my life at one time. I phoned the manager and I says to him, listen, I'm giving up the, the football. He says, you can't quit. He says, never be the same without you. And I said, listen, I've decided I'm stopping playing. I'm not playing anymore. And I want to say to you here this morning now, it broke my heart. I cried. I got the nail. And I pulled upstairs in a cover hole and I tied the boots together and I put the, the boots up onto a peg and I cried and I prayed and I had a wee service with the Lord. I said, Lord, there it is. I'm all yours now. And I want to tell you here this morning, that was the answer. My life took completely off. Took completely off for the Lord. And instead of me playing football on the side, no one opened up for me to do, to preach the gospel. And I started to go down to the south of Ireland every Saturday afternoon and preaching Balabay and Monaghan and all around that Coot Hill with the Reverend Morris Baxter. So instead of putting on the shorts, I left them in my Bible and the Lord gave me something to do. And then I remember lifting a magazine and I said, would you like to enrol for the Whitfield College of Bible? I said, Lord, you know I'd love to go, but you haven't told me what I've got to do. And I want to tell you, God then told me. He told me. Ephesians chapter, or 2 Timothy, sorry, 4 verse 2, says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. And verse 5 says, But watch thine all things, endure afflictions. <coughs> do the work of an evangelist. And I want to tell you, I found the answer. An evangelist. God had told me. You know why he told me? I surrender all to Jesus. Child of God, don't we sing that in this church? You sing it. I surrender all. I surrender all. Mom, we're great singers, aren't we? But you know, God asks you to put it all in the altar. Your life, your all. The things you love. I should have burnt the boots. You hear in a moment why. But nevertheless, it's all in the altar now for Christ. And the Lord called me and the door opened up. And I got into the Whitfield College of the Bible in 1987 as an evangelist. Uh, sorry, to train as an evangelist and a missionary. But I got a bit of a surprise when I got to the college. Because when I got to the college, what do you think they had at the college? A football team. <laughs> <laughs> and they got the ball out this day and they started kicking about. Of course, oh, I, could play and I saw I could play a bit. They says, the oldest says, 
would you play for us? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we've got, uh, we, we have a bit of a team here at the college and we just play friendlies and we've a big match coming up against Portie Down. Would you play? Ah, oh, I says, well, surely I will. So Saturday morning came, that particular Saturday, I was like a young fella getting out of bed for Santa Claus. I was so excited <laughs> that morning. I ran into a cupboard and I lifted the boots. I said, well, I got down the road, the skin on, the sleeves rolled up. And boys, I says, I can't believe it. I'm getting back to football. Well, I want to tell you, it wasn't too long on that pitch. And my back went. And I hobbled over to the side of the lane. And I stood and I bowed my head. No, I prayed. I says, Lord, touch my back and let my back on again. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> but the Lord never touched my back at all. And I then got hobbled in and the car, I could hardly move. And I went home and left my Bible that night. You know what I read? And when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God was surely required of thee. You see, friends, I broke my vow. I broke my vow. You thought I learned my lesson. I just moved back forward a wee bit. I was doing a skill doing a mission years later, and the boys were having seven to side one night and asked me what to play. And I says, oh, I would. And I ended up in a skill hospital in crutches. So, no, football. That's why I said to you, I should have burnt the boots. I should have burnt them. So, never think, put, I give that up to the Lord. Burn it. Good <laughs> morning, you hear this morning. I should have threw it under the fire. I should have burnt the boots. Then there's friends, there's no going back. So that was one thing I learned about the calling God. If you're going to call serve the Lord, it's all to Jesus. It's all upon the other. And I want to say that. So I knew God had called me, finished the college. And the next lesson then about my calling was I knew he called me in the evangelist was where was I going to serve him? So the willingness to go and the call of God. So when I was in college, boys were saying to me, Well, Noel, where do you think you serve the Lord? And I says, I would like to serve the Lord in the south of Ireland. To be a missionary down in the south. I would do an open hours, of course, in the south. But you know something, when I prayed about it, the Lord told me to go to the north. I was preaching one day in Money Slain Church, something about backsliding, really, or whatever it was. But the reference in Jeremiah says, Go and proclaim these words towards the north. <laughs> well, yeah, fell out of the pulpit. I would ask the Lord, where do I go? The north. And so when I finished college in 1989 and 1990, I started my work as an evangelist. I'm here to talk about my work. So when you were God had called me, he called me to here in Northern Ireland to start out as I thought, I thought just to be an evangelist in Northern Ireland, by the way. And I started in 1990 out on my own, but working through our three Presbyterian churches, and I started doing missions. I started in Kikil full-time up there and doing doing door-to-door -door work in my work. I do door-to-door -door evangelism. I want to say a very important part of evangelism is doing the doors. I preach to more people in the doors than I will in, the, in, in, in here, in any, any church. I'm doing a mission in a minute this afternoon. It's up in Lurgan, the minute's on at the moment. And I preach to more people. The people's not coming in at all at the mission. But I preach the gospel to people in their homes and some good conversation with people on their doorsteps about their need of Christ. And so the Lord then placed me in here uh, sorry, in Northern Ireland. So I was doing missions, having great missions, and the phone rang. And uh, I was asked, would I go to Australia? I couldn't believe this at all. You see, my first prayer card, it said, 
home evangelist. Well, the next man is away to Australia. I says, home and away, no one here. The next man, I'm away. But I prayed about it. And the Lord told me to go. I want to tell you this. We sing hymns sometimes. Where he may lead me, I will go. I want to tell you, when you pack all up, say farewell to your families. Away you go. Different story. But I knew the Lord had called me. And it had to be this willingness to serve him. And he sent me to Australia. Now, while I was in Australia, I was about to come home. I was only over there for about two years. And I hear through the back door, you always hear things through the back door, they're going to send me to England. Well, I want to tell you, there's one place I never wanted to go was England. And I said to the boy who told me, listen, there's no way I'm going to England. I'm not, he says, they're going to say, I said, I, well, I'm not going to England. I, I used to pray, Lord, send labourers, way before this, send labourers into England, and all you heard in my mind was, but don't be sent to me. <laughs> I don't know who said it, but that used to come to my heart. So anyway, there I was. I was fighting with everybody in my heart. They're not telling me to go to England. I'm not going to England. I'm not doing this and that. And I was going to preach this Sunday morning. And I said, I can't get into a pulpit like this. I fight with everybody. So I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you. I'll even go to England. Nobody had asked me to go to England. There was a great peace come over my heart. And I went away and preached. You see, through the middle of the week, I got a phone call. The boy asked me to go to England. If he'd have phoned a week before that I told him to go himself, <laughs> that's the three, there's no point in saying it. I would have told him, go yourself, I'm not going. Some of you boys can go, I'm not going to England. But you know, the Lord had broke me. And I thought when I was going home to Australia, this is 1993, I was going to England. I didn't like him home, the door closed, and I didn't have to go at all. And I says, you know, this is, this is all right. And I talked to Mr. Douglas about it. I was a wee bit confused, I said, because I knew God had called me. I prayed about it. And the Lord told me to go to England. He says, look, maybe he's just testing you. I says, what do you mean? He says, well, I, I told him the story. I didn't want to, he says, well, maybe the Lord knew your heart. He says, listen, you need to get your heart on us all on the altar for Christ here. I says, that's probably it. And I didn't get. And so, John and I, I was doing missions in Northern Ireland, evangelistic campaigns. And we got a wee house, we bought a wee council house in my estate, and we put away an extension on it, Five years now down the line, we're putting a paint on it. And the phone rang. Did you go down there? <laughs> Five years. And I went to see Dr. Paisley. And I, I said to him, he says, No, there's a big church down there in Lewis, in East Sussex. And he says, We feel you're the man to go. Well, I says, Mr. Paisley, the Lord called me down five years ago. And he looked up and he says, The word of the Lord came on to Jonah again the second time. <laughs> well, I says, I'd pray about it. And if the Lord tells me to go, I'll go. And you know, I prayed and the Lord told me to go. But people thought we was mad. We just got this house and put an extension on it and putting the paint on it. And our family, everything. And it was very difficult. So we had to go to England. And we packed all up. But I want to say, it's where he leads me, I will go. And I want to say this. I loved England. One of the highlights of my ministry was preached in England. I, had, I loved it, I have to say. So it was just my stupid notion. I thought everybody was real swanky in English. In England, and I was not swanky as you know here, and and so on. So that's the way I have this notion about being, you know, all swanky and 
ignified and all this sort of language, but uh, no, they weren't at all at this notion. So I served the Lord there, and I was called home to Kikil, and I, I came home. I served the Lord for seven years, preached then, I went to, uh, to Kikil, served the Lord, and uh, the minister assistant there for ten years, and doing door-to-door work, to do children's work, holiday Bible clubs, open-air work, gospel missions, I do all that type of work. And then I was asked to go to Scotland, and I want to say this was a very difficult one because I realised if I was going to Scotland, it's going to break up the family. Some of the children were still, two of them were still at home with us. But I came home, I had my, maybe it was uh, 2014, and I told uh, the children, I said, look at, from the week of prayer, I said, the Lord has called me to Scotland. And that was a very difficult one for Joan, very difficult for my son, for my daughter, that I knew they weren't coming. And so we went and we served the Lord there in St. Rar, and we finished with that. I can hope just for over two years was to be looked at in two years, looked at, we felt then that we had done our time, we evangelised the whole town, around all the homes there in St. Rar, <coughs> 5,000 homes in St. Rar, I did work also in Dunfries, door-to-door evangelism, preached the gospel every Sunday afternoon down in Dunfries as well. So we came home and was asked to go to Kenya for over two months and then America for over two months. You maybe can hear the wee American twang a wee bit here at the minute, haven't lost it yet. So I came home from America and I realised then, well, what am I going to do? Well, I didn't want to be living out of a suitcase, which was have been doing now for months. And I had the opportunity to go back to America and to do some fill-ins for some pulpits there. And so I asked the Lord and I prayed about it and I came back to this particular verse came to me. Do the work of an evangelist. The first time God spoke to me all those years ago. Do the work of an evangelist. So I applied to the mission board of our church, I'm a free Presbyterian, and I applied to them and I asked them about the possibility of coming on to the mission board again. I had worked for them years before, but I had to, I had to resign from them and get work on the Kikil, on to their session, and then on to, of course, the Narar. So I'd been off their books a long time. So this, they accepted me, and they, says, and they accepted me, and they said, are you willing to do deputations? And that means what I'm doing here this morning. I said, is there another way they said, no. Well, they just, well, I had to do it. So we're right back to the queue again. And they said, I had to build up my support. And that's what we had to do. And it's not, I, I say this to in the congregations. It's not going to be the Church of Ireland. I know there may be some people in the Church of Ireland I do not know who support me in this way. I don't know. It's not going to be the Presbyterians who support me. I had to ask my own people, our own people, can you support me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? And around our churches, I was told it could take me a year or two years, maybe. And within six months, the Lord brought me in my support for God's people to preach the gospel of Christ. I got started early and I thought I had to work a wee bit at the curb and I see the boys over there, the flags and all that. And so I had to do a bit of that for a while. And I was working on my young staff and played preacher for a while there last year. But I thank the Lord he brought in my support. And I still need more support, and I bring this around to people, and I say to them, look, if you can support me in any way, with a wee box, take the box, financially, they'll send you details, even though it's only a pound a week, I say to people. That's not, that's not what, to help, to spread the gospel in our province. And if you can support me in any way, take the wee box, five pound a month, whatever the case may be, all the details is there, and that would certainly help us to pay the gospel. I had to do this, of course. That's how I am supported, and all the missions are the same in the preaching of the gospel. So I started 
uh, working full time again with the mission board there in December. And I started out in Hilltown. So you know what Hilltown is. And uh, I had calendars. I'd done it before. And around the doors there, it's a real Catholic Republican town. And I give them calendars for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I went to the mission in Acker. I finished there in January, way up in Acker. The Free Presbyterian Church of Acker McCloy bought a little chapel. It's a math, old Methodist church. And I held a two-week mission. Doors there before that as well. And then the following Sunday, I went down to Donegal. And I preached there, and I went to wee work to wee hall there in Donegal for two weeks. And at this particular moment, I, I am Lurgan, and I am doing a mission in Lurgan, Gibson Hill Mission Hall. Do you pray for that mission? Hard to get people in. Uh, but we're really enjoying the meetings, they're a good spirit in the meetings. I love to see more of God's people coming as well, by the way. Uh, I love to see people coming. But we're there, and we're a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so out the year, different places, I helped out my mission for Tandre Gay in a hurry with the Reverend Gray, doing doors and preaching some nights for him. All along, I was doing Mother Glass, the Moor, and I have different missions planned. I have holiday Bible clubs as well. I work with children, and children's missions, holiday Bible clubs, a great number of them to do over the summer for our congregations. So really, my ministry is telling people the answer. Remember I found it as a young man, sitting there in darkness and sin, I heard the answer, Jesus Christ. And that's my life now, a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel around homes, knocking doors, children's meetings, holiday Bible clubs, open hours, gospel campaigns, preaching in churches, wherever God leads me, that I will follow him. So do pray for us. Do pray for Joan and I in this new ministry um, that the Lord will use us mightily in this province. I am here at the moment and I want to say hey, I'm happy here in Northern Ireland. And if you hear, where is that boy now? Well, don't you can say, because I never thought I'd be in the places where I've been. I've been all around. I've been in Australia actually five times. I've been there four times with short visits preaching as well. And uh, what I can only say, the Lord has led me to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I say in closing, and I'm not preaching a sermon, say that the sermon's coming, no. And I just have to, have to tell about my work. But why is it we do evangelism? Why is it we are to evangelize? Well, very simply, we should evangelize because of the command of the Savior. <coughs> and here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 15, the Lord Jesus had risen from the dead and he looks at his disciples and he says, Listen, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, the Lord Jesus tells us we are to go. We are to go out. He announces we are to go. We have his authority to go. He sends us. We have the address to go. What, what am I going to go with? The gospel. Go and preach this message of the gospel. He tells us that the area, well, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're going to bring this message out. I want to tell us the duty of this church and the Free Presbyterian Church. It's the duty of Christians to bring the gospel out. The Bible says the devil, you know what the devil does for the gospel? He hides it. Well, I don't want to be like a devil. And I don't want the Free Presbyterian Church to be like a devil where we just hide it in the corner. <coughs> All right, just hide it in there, he says. Don't, don't do any doors. Don't do any visitation. Don't do any mission. Just, 
just hide it. But the Lord Jesus tells us here to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I preach this message. When I was in England, I met a man from a strict Baptist church, big long beard, and he's sitting in the corner and I was telling him, Sam, just nothing wrong with beard, by the way, <laughs> but that's what he had. And uh, he says to me, I was telling him, I was out doing some evangelism this morning, some door, the door work, you know, he looked at me and he said, we don't believe in doing that. And he says, why not? Now, he was a hyper-Calvinist. Now, the Reverend McLaughlin will tell you what that is. I haven't time this morning. But <laughs> and he says, why not? And I looked at him and I said, Jesus Christ says, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How can you argue with that one? The man, the man didn't know what to say. So why is it we evangelize? We go out. Now, I'm an evangelist. And so what do I do? I go out with this message. I go out, I bring it out to different communities. I go up to people's homes. I go into Roman Catholic estates and, 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 and with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are evangelized. He tells us to evangelize. And we evangelize because we should have a concern for souls. I see the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10 verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And notice here, he talks about his heart. He says, my heart's desire is that Israel might be saved. In chapter, two, in chapter 9 verse 2, he talks about having continual sorrow. We're having this continual sorrow in this heart. talks about Jesus Christ seeing the multitude and listen, he was moved. He was moved with compassion. He had a burden. I feel we should evangelize. Have we a burden for the lost? Have we? Or can I say to the congregation here today, I said that I've done many deputations in our churches, and this is the address I bring to all of them, by the way. Have we lost a burden? Have we? What do you think of it? Think of people dying in our sins and going to hell. It says in Luke, this place of torments, are we not concerned? Are we not burdened for the lost and our family? Yes, our friends, our neighbours, our father, countrymen, no matter if they're Catholics, no matter if they're Protestants. Have we lost a burden? We have a burden for the lost. To see people rescued. People saved. How do we? Evangelism. Evangelism. I was speaking to a man one time. He was telling me how he could see it. And he was telling me that he's on a mission. And this woman came who he knew came right before him. And he says, and she stood before him. And she says, the tears are running down her cheeks. And she looked at him and he says, she says, I'm praying that you be saved at this mission. And away she went. And he said, I'm at home. And he said, all I could see was this woman. And she was a young lady standing, crying before me. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over this woman. She was crying over me. And friends, he got saved. Now, I'm not suggesting you go and stand crying in front of somebody tomorrow and they get saved. But what I'm saying was showing you she had a burden the lost why should our church evangelize we should have a burden 
to win the lost for Jesus Christ. People are perishing in their sins, dying without Christ. If you're not saved in this reason, you will die without Christ and be lost. We have a burden for your soul. Burden for the lost. And we should evangelize. The Lord would give us the ability to evangelize. Remember he says, though I am with you always, even until the end of the world, we have his presence. He gives us power. In Acts 1, for the disciples, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He gives us the ability to evangelize. You say, well, I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. Listen, neither could I. But the Lord gives us the ability. I had to, I, I, I was some real Roman categories evangelizing. I was in Balik, in County Armagh. I was in a mission one time in the Orange Hall up the road. They blew it up maybe five or six times and burnt it over the years. There was a mission in it. And the church says, well, by doing the doors in the village. And I said, they said yes. And I was lying went. There was a big monument up for the IRM men who was killed. As they say, in action. And I said, boy, this is not going to be easy. We can into this real, I know it's fine. I'm from down the road in Glenallan. Go round this village and ask them to mission in Orange Hall. And I could have dilly-dallied all around and did the countryside, which is full of Catholics, by the way, as well, but there's Protestants there as well, mostly in the countryside. But, though, I says, I just started in the village. And I parked my car in the village with a tricolour all hanging up in the monument array, and I just walked out my hand up the door and I says, excuse me, doing the gospel mission. Now, how do we do that? God gives you the grace to do it. Nobody else, just on your own. Just on your own. He gives you the ability to do whatever he asks you to do. Now, I'm sure you can do something for Christ. I'm sure there's enough people in the congregation that let's bring the gospel to the people right, right around the community and outside. Let's, bring the, let's give out tracts. Even walk up, open a gate, put it through another box, or knock the door, whatever your standard is. I say, we give out tracts, or Try to talk to people, whatever. Let's bring the gospel out. Christ will give us ability. We should evangelize. We're labors together with God. He's with us in this work. And we should evangelize, can I say, for the glory of God. See, His mercy is glorified in the gospel. His Son is glorified in this message. That Jesus saves and His blood washes whiter than the snow. You know something? His love is glorified. See, the night before I got saved, sitting drinking the bar in Marky Till. There's a man came walking down the bar that I knew from a young lad. And he stopped right behind me. And know what he said to me? He says, Noel. And I knew him. He had lost his wife, his family, everything, an alcoholic. He says, Noel, nobody loves me. And I looked around. It was Jimmy. I want to get off that stool and preach to them. I wasn't saved. Because I had found the answer. I want to, Jimmy, I want to tell you. I felt the same. But I have found that Jesus Christ loves us and that he died to save us. And I said nothing. But you know, I could say it the next morning as I told you at the beginning. And now, I've met that man since. And I told him. It was that night. I told him about the love of Jesus Christ. He loves us. And Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners like us. So his love is glory. God is glorified in this message. It's a glorious, listen, the title, it's a glorious gospel. 
of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So he's glorified in bringing this message out. So I'm back round where I started. That's my task. I go out with this message. I need help. I need support. I need your help. Certainly pray for us. I want you all to pray for me. I shall bring this message out. Ulster needs the gospel. There's a great deadness and darkness across the province today. The only hope, the only hope for sinners is the gospel. Men and women are sinking tired in sin and they'll be lost for all eternity. The only hope for anybody in this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? You all, all believe that. We've got to get it out. We've got to get it out. I might I think of people and driving in a car. If I'm lying in bed during the middle of last night, I wasn't sleeping so well, thinking about people going to hell. And I myself I said to myself, how can I stop it? How can we stop people? The gospel. That's the only answer. So we've got to bring it out. Thank you for the opportunity of speaking this morning about my work, my calling. I pray that you'll certainly pray for us and anybody that can help us. And we thank you for the opportunity. May God write his word on our hearts.